Never miss another scary story by subscribing, clicking the notification bell, and following me at Dark Prevails on Twitter. If you are subscribed, click that like button. Thank you. Wind blows through the steadily crumbling structure. It howls softly, speaking accursed secrets of ages long past. You gaze at the remnants around you. This place was once a marvel, but has long since been abandoned. But some say at night, you may hear the whispers of those that once inhabited this place. In a way, it will never truly be abandoned. Enjoy these allegedly true and haunting stories from abandoned places with oddly relaxing sound effects. One, The House in the Forest by Dylan F. It was in the summer of 2016 in North Carolina. Me and my cousin were hanging out together at his place, bored out of our minds. So we had the idea of exploring some of the trails that go deeper into the forest. We had permission to go into those woods by the old man who owned it all. He had recently bought the land a few years prior. He made a statement saying that a lot of the trails out there had been unexplored for years. So he told us to remain cautious as the property spans for miles. Excited, we hopped onto our four-wheelers and headed to the trails. We were meandering through these trails. The forest is as creepy as it could be. We were sure to make notes of every turn and certain key details to keep us from getting lost in the dense woods. After half an hour of driving down the paths, we came across a somewhat clear patch in the forest, but what we saw shocked us the most. There it sat silently, an old abandoned two-story home. The path had large ditches completely filled with water on each side. Me being the curious guy I was, I persuaded my cousin to go explore the abandoned house with me. After a bit of convincing, we parked the four-wheelers facing the path we had entered from, and we began to walk up to the house, which made me feel odd the closer we got. It felt like I was being watched by some unseen presence, or maybe by the house itself. After we entered the old house, it was completely empty. The carpet had been ripped out, and wires were hanging out of the sockets. All of that good stuff. We decided to look around just for the fun of it, to see what we could find. There was nothing of interest on the first floor, so we decided to go up to the second. We walked up the flight of stairs, which began to creak with every step, making us all the more tense as we continued. Upon stepping into the second floor, I saw one of the bedroom doors was open. I walked into the room, and I saw through the window there was a somewhat large pond in the backyard. Examining the pond, I saw what appeared to be someone or something rising out of the pond. As it never came into view completely, I eventually shrugged it off. Maybe I was seeing things. Maybe it was just an animal. But the second before I turned around, I could clearly see something rise above the water's surface. I thought it was a woman at first, 
It was human in shape, and it stood in the middle of the pond, covered in moss, twigs, and mud. The thing seemed to be staring blankly at the lower portion of the house, and then it looked up at me. Piercing yellow eyes stared through me, like they were gazing into my soul. My cousin asked what I was looking at and why I had that expression on my face. When he saw what I was seeing, and I looked over at him, never have I seen him so scared before. Immediately, we decided it was best that we leave. As we began to walk down the steps, we heard the back door to the house open, realizing we were no longer alone. We sprinted out of the house and jumped on our four-wheelers. Driving off, I decided to look back, and we saw the thing. It was looking down at us from the room in the second story that we had fled from. To this day, we don't know what we saw, but never again did we go back into those woods. Two, The Winged Man by Douglas M. This happened back when I was still in high school. I was maybe 15 years old. I lived in a small town in eastern Pennsylvania. My town is not a well-known one, and most people who hear its name ask where it is. Oddly enough, it's fairly popular for those who hunt for ghosts, spirits, and monsters. This story is one of my only creepy experiences with my strange town. I was alone when this happened, having gotten permission from my parents to go for a walk in the evening, again because it was a small town. I was normally allowed to walk around late at night, as long as I was home by 1 a.m., it was on one of these nights, though, my thoughts on strange creatures and beings existing completely changed. I'm normally a bit skeptical about the things that happen here. I've heard many different stories, and I don't like to believe that my weird experiences can just be chalked up to ghosts in various places of the town. This, however, was much more solid than a ghost. My town has three bridges, two for vehicles, and one for people on foot. I had decided one night around 11.30 p.m. to go across this walking bridge and over onto the dark trails across the way. This trail was a paranormal hotspot. At least, that's what I've heard. You hear a lot of stories from people about ghost sightings and UFOs out there. The creepy vibe is only furthered as there is an old abandoned house out there and rumors abound that it was a house used by Satanists. Maybe that's why there's so much activity attributed to that place. Even myself on one occasion went there alone and found pentagrams and various other things in the abandoned house. But that's not the point. That night, while I was walking through the trails around that forest and abandoned home, I was heading to one of the paved sections of the trails where cars could drive for those who wanted to go fishing and boating. It was then that I heard a sound. It sounded like footsteps, though they were much heavier than I normally would hear. I stopped and listened, 
hearing the footsteps stop and heard heavier breathing as well. It was then that I felt that something was watching me. I pulled out my cell phone. I quietly listened as I made a phone call to one of my friends who was a cop. I was ready for the worst to happen. I told my friend that I was in fact being followed and he stayed on the phone with me as I walked. All the while on my end, I could hear the breathing getting heavier. Then, out of the corner of my eye, I saw it. Having assumed it was a person following me, when I saw it, I was dumbfounded. I had to remind myself to breathe after being startled for several seconds. This something was large, at least eight feet tall, and it was leaping from the trees across the road and onto the trees in the other side. When I saw it, I took off running for my life. When I reached the end of the road, I saw my cop friend pulling up in his cruiser. I quickly told him that something was back there. He told me to head to the main road and start heading to the bridge to get back home because it wasn't safe out there. As I hurriedly walked back, from the road, I saw it again. It was massive and looked like it was covered in hair. It had large wings on its back with burning red eyes. I freaked out, telling myself it was just my imagination. As I continued to walk, I soon heard this blood-chilling cry, something that immediately made me think of a demon. As I froze in place again, I heard the tires squeal on the cruiser my friend was driving, and I soon saw it driving towards me at high speed. He stopped in front of me. I saw that my friend was bone white in fear, practically shouting at me to get inside quickly. I didn't argue, and I climbed into his cruiser. I asked him, what did you see, man? What's wrong? He was panting softly before he grabbed his necklace, which was a simple silver cross. He answered in a quiet voice. Something inhuman. It jumped across the road, and I saw it plain as day, huge red eyes and large wings and horns on its head. When I heard it cry, I shivered, and I drove to pick you up. I don't think anyone is safe in these woods. My entire body chilled at those words as he kept looking back to see if it was following us. That was the last time I stepped foot in those trails. I won't be coming back because I can't help but wonder if those Satanists summoned something from another world. Three, The Love House by Jax. Last week, I was driving home with my fiance and friend. We had just had dinner, and we were going around the mountain we take every night on our way home. It was a little after 12 a.m. Around that time, my friend admitted that he had never been inside the so-called love house. It was built in the 1700s. It was abandoned on Spencer's Mountain. There were several stories of the love house over the years. There was a story of a girl named Sarah, whose life was brutally ended there back in the 1700s. Others say that the mansion was built on top of an Indian burial ground. Either way, 
Whatever the case may be, my friend wanted to experience it. We parked my Dodge Challenger off in the distance, hidden upwards on a hill, so that no one who passed by would be able to see it. In other words, we would be alone. We walked a few minutes, making our way to the driveway of the abandoned love house. Having to step over a chain with an old no trespassing sign on the way, we then crawled through a small hole that had been cut out in the back. When we got in the house, it was filled with pentagrams and other demonic-type images on the walls. There wasn't much else to it at the time, no weirdness or strange activity. But when we got upstairs, I got this feeling all around me, like we weren't supposed to be here. The three of us quietly made it back outside. We then went around the house and saw in the distance an old truck with a spotlight. They were shining it towards our way. Keep in mind that this mountain is abandoned and it's after midnight, so likely no one should be passing this way. The truck heads our way and we all scatter and hide. I watched the person shine his light at the house we were in and I tried to get further out so I could get some cell signal and call my girlfriend's mother as she lived close. I was able to call her and told her what was going on she said she'd be there in a moment, packing just in case. She stayed on the phone with me, and soon she arrived. I told her where my car was, and she pulled up beside it. Out of nowhere, the white truck came in behind her, and she asked him for help, because she couldn't find us. The man just stared at her, expressing no emotion, and he wouldn't speak a single word. She told me she was horrified at that point. At that moment, she backed out and the guy began to tail her in his vehicle. She called the cops. It was around that time that my phone's battery went out. I tried to make it further through the woods and get an upper view of what was going on. And I began to hear footsteps and chanting. I stopped and I tried to stay still hoping whoever was there would just pass. But then someone runs up on me out of nowhere. Before I know it, I'm tackled to the ground and fighting for my life. I manage to nail them in their diaphragm and I run away, hearing the person gasp for air behind me. I ran so hard, so long, that I felt sick. Even so, I could hear multiple sets of footsteps in the woods around me. The chanting is even louder now and closing in. I noticed in the distance that the cops had arrived on the scene, but I was too scared of being found that I didn't move. Unfortunately, the cops left without ever trying to find anyone. My mother-in-law was able to grab my girlfriend and friend though, meaning they were safe, but I at the moment was not. By some miracle, the footsteps began to fade away, and after a few seconds of silence, I took the chance to run, and when I got cell reception, I was able to call them, and they brought their car around to pick me up. We went up the road to turn around, and we met another truck with a spotlight. Whoever was there once again began to chase us, getting so close to our tailgate that I thought they were going to run us off the road. Luckily, we outran them, and I had time to get into my car. 
I peeled out and took off. They didn't seem to try to chase me at that point, considering the car I was driving, maybe. The vehicle that was chasing my mother-in-law and girlfriend disappeared as well. When we got back to safety, I talked to them about this. I figured it was some sort of cult. There was no doubt in my mind that they were dangerous as well. This next part is where it gets extremely creepy. Apparently, a girl was coming around Spencer's Mountain late one night when she came across a branch in the road. It wasn't too big, but it was in the way. So she parked her car, got out, and approached the branch to move it out of the way. That was when some oddly dressed people came out of the woods around her and tried to take her. Luckily for the girl, some passers-by in another vehicle stopped and helped her. Who knows what they would have done to her, what they would have done to us if they had caught us. The people I ran into that night, the drivers and the chanters, they never once had any facial expressions on them, and somehow that made them all the more terrifying. I haven't been back around Spencer's Mountain ever since. Four, The Ghost Train by Avalon Nakamura. Let me begin this story with a simple fact. I am not a religious man. I do not follow any sort of religious belief, but this made me start to think that something else could be out there in this world, or maybe another one. This happened when I was a young man, around the age of 15. My one friend who had passed away recently was walking with me along the cold train tracks. Let's stick with his nickname. Back then, we called him Sea Monkey. It was late in the evening and had recently rained. A small bit of fog had rolled into the area and we decided to go for a walk along the old train tracks for a bit of fun and exploration. We were always exploring the type of stuff as young kids, abandoned mills, trails across the bridge that was no longer in service, and even some of the abandoned houses of the town. But today was different. We both felt like something was wrong. The fog had a thickness to it, and there was a smell in it that was not normal of fog. It smelled of meat gone bad, we figured the smell was coming from a decaying animal, something that had been hit by one of the trains, one of the few that still come through this nearly abandoned area. But we couldn't see anything near the tracks or even around them. We were starting to get a bit freaked out as the fog was only getting thicker when we finally heard a noise, a low, deep whistling. It came howling through the fog and the area around us. We froze in place, but quickly got off the actual tracks, moving to stand in the gravel that the tracks were surrounded by. We moved closer to the edge of the hill, which dropped down into the river. We thought it might be one of the old coal trains, but we were soon proven wrong. As we watched and waited, we finally saw it. A single glowing red light coming towards us on the tracks. We looked at each other, and Sea Monkey asked me, what in the actual F is going on? I replied with, I have no idea. We both were petrified as we watched it coming closer, only to hear that whistle blow again. 
This time, though, we both wanted to run, but we were halfway through the mill and to the town, so we had nowhere to actually go. By then, we could make it out. We could see what appeared to be a train, but there was something wrong about it because it seemed as though the fog itself was coming from the train, and we could see that it was not on the tracks, but inches above it, floating above the tracks. We stood there horrified because the train was coming to a stop. It released a hiss of fog, and we stared in fear. The door to the engine room opened up, and a hand extended from it, and it beckoned us to come closer. We backed up now, finally finding our strength in our legs, when we heard a voice coming from the conductor's door. Come in, children. All those who are lost are welcome here. Come in. That was when Sea Monkey screamed right next to me, and we both began to back up. I remembered something my mother used to tell me, that train tracks were the home to lost souls, and the devil's train would come for those it deemed lost. As I said when I started this story, I'm not religious, but I did remember the Lord's Prayer at the time. It was all I could do to start reciting it. At this, the conductor's hand retracted back into the train. The door closed, and the train began to move again. We watched as it passed us, Looking at the windows, we saw various types of people, all of who appeared sad, lonely, and as if they had made the worst mistakes of their lives. As it passed, the fog lifted, and Sea Monkey looked at me, speaking. There's no way that was real. His breath was shaky. I continued to watch the train travel away until we could no longer see it. Sea Monkey continued, saying that that was the devil's train. Maybe they thought that our lives were over and it came to pick us up. I was convinced it was some sort of shared hallucination. Even still, we picked up the pace and got into town as fast as possible, then booked it to the safety of my house. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's journey, people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android.
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Five, God Knows Where by Raymond S. This story takes place during my first year as an armed guard. I had many things happen that were out of the ordinary. It was a lot to take in at first. I could only imagine what actual cops go through after the crap I've seen and heard. From the drunk and homeless to the violent, or just some straight up wackos. In my first year, when I switched from unarmed to armed, I got a nice pay raise, so I enjoyed working overtime. I would take as many shifts as I could handle, which took me away from home quite often, which really angered my wife. All that overtime, unfortunately, is what led me to the majority of my experiences. I used to hear and see things all the time, even got threatened to be attacked by a hobo. But once I pulled out the baton, he left the property. But that wasn't the worst experience. This incident happened around the holidays, and there was mad overtime all over the place. One week, I even clocked in 90 hours, which made for one freaking sweet paycheck. One day, I worked a 12-hour shift. I was being relieved, and after a long day, I was happy to be out of there. Well, that was short-lived, because on my way home, I got a call from my boss. Not a mandatory call, but I'm literally the only guard in the company that lived for overtime like I did. So the call went something like this. There's an abandoned building that our contractor is ditching. They still got some stuff there and somebody broke in. The alarm is going crazy, so I need you to go disarm the alarm and sweep the building to check for further damage or intruders. I almost refused the call. It was a good distance away after all, but I was getting double time and they were paying me for the trip as well, so I agreed. The place was so far away that it was at this rural, easy to get lost, wrong freaking turn crap hole. I made one wrong turn into an abandoned farm and then another farm full of people still working. After a long and annoying ride, I finally make it to the place and the alarm there is still going crazy. The door hadn't been moved or broken into. It was wide open and tied up with some rope. This was especially strange. I cut the rope and locked the door behind me and made my first bit of the round leading to the alarm panel. Normally, I'm usually paranoid, but now I was just irritated, so I tried to do it in a hurry. I cut the alarm off and I walked further into the parts of the building that were pitch black. I had my flashlight on. As I'm making one turn, I hear a door open and slam, followed by the alarm blaring because someone opened the emergency door. I was about to nope it out of there when I thought that person had probably been leaving and made a break for it. I made the rest of the round, but all the way I could hear footsteps around every corner and whispering in my ear. I figured I was just scared 
and everything was cool, so I made the last turn to the alarm panel on the ground when I noticed dirt in the shape of fingerprints on the alarm, and then I saw the footprints. They led outside to the main entrance, and the door was wide open again. It was once more tied up the way I had found it. Scared out of my mind, I locked it. I left, thinking I could have been ambushed at any second. Despite the double time, I was not being paid enough for this. Days later, the rest of the stuff was gone, and the contractor had vacated the property entirely, so I never had to go back there. But I still wonder, what in the world was going on? And who was toying with me? Six, Urban Exploration Story by Nick. I'm a local amateur filmmaker in my area. I like to make short found footage horror films. You may think it sounds dumb, but it is what I'm passionate about and it's important to the story. I normally film at abandoned buildings because I love the atmosphere and the look of them but one time a couple of years ago, I stumbled upon something that nearly made me stop exploring abandoned places altogether. For context, I live in Pennsylvania. There's a really popular abandoned location called The Ruins near Allentown. I really have no idea what it could have possibly been, but nowadays the place is just a bunch of concrete buildings, tunnels, and walls, all decayed and crumbling. It's actually quite a beautiful spot. The place has a few different locations. I was exploring it with two other friends while location scouting for one of my other films. At one point, I separated from my friends in an effort to try and get the feel of a character from the movie and find the most unnerving spot. They went toward the main buildings and I walked a bit further into the woods. On our way in, I noticed a structure off the path that I had never seen before. After walking through the overgrowth and bushes to find it, I finally stumbled upon this building with a huge hole through it. To get a sense of what I'm looking at, imagine a concrete square, but with no front or back walls, so it's got a roof and two side walls. Crumbling buildings are usually a common sight at the ruins, but what really freaked me out was the fact that there were a bunch of small dug up holes in the dirt on what should have been the floor to the building. And to me, they looked like a lot of small graves. There had to have been at least eight small holes there, and they all had different markings, like little crosses or wooden symbols sticking out of the ground next to them. I have no idea what they were or what they were being used for, but I never saw anything like it before. I was worried that whoever dug them was going to come back to bury what they intended to bury. So I left as soon as I realized what was going on. I met up with my friends and I didn't mention what I saw to them. I don't know if I was too scared by it or if I just didn't want to freak them out. Still, thinking about what I saw just makes me feel nervous. The funny thing is that I've gone back there countless times and I've never been able to find that building again. And I've never seen the graves save for that one experience. I haven't found anything that even looks remotely similar to it. I don't know what I stumbled upon that day, but I really don't know if I want to find out.
7. The Blocked Room by RKA A couple of years ago, I was visiting my best friend who studied in another city. I stayed at her dorm, and when we got hungry and decided to go buy some groceries, it was already dark out. The store was pretty far away, but we headed out anyway. On our way there, we saw an abandoned building, and as we are both passionate horror fans, it intrigued us. So we said, screw it, the groceries can come later. We went to check it out, and when we got closer to the fence that was surrounding it, we saw a sign that said that the place was abandoned, that it was a ward to a hospital that is currently deteriorating and dangerous. After a brief check, we found a hole in the fence that wasn't too far away from the sign. It was enough for a person to fit through, so we decided to explore the building anyway. I opened up my phone and began taking a video when we got in. After all, that was our only source of light in the pitch black darkness. When I shined my phone light on the floor, it was full of trash and broken glass, and it was scattered around. We saw a couple of wheelchairs as well. On the other side, there was a staircase to the second floor, and we thought that that would be more interesting to check out, so we did. We climbed the stairs slowly with my phone lighting the way. When we reached the second floor, the light showed more of the broken glass in the ground. I started thinking that the whole experience is getting pretty boring and disappointing, but for the sake of my friend, I decided to keep exploring anyway. We kept walking on the corridor for a bit until a room to our left caught our eyes. Immediately, I wanted to see what was in there, so I quickly turned my phone that direction. In a split second, my phone completely shut off. Now, when your phone's battery runs out, it shows the logo real quick before going black, but when I looked at my phone, it was simply all black, no transition at all. It just stopped working. So now we were left in the dark, and we began to hear creepy sounds down the hallway. While all of this was going on, I was constantly trying to turn on my phone, but with no success. We were so scared, we ran out of there as fast as we could. As we left the building, of course, my phone just came back on, like that. The first thing I did was to check the video to see if it saved, but as you can guess, it wasn't there. At that point, the last thing we wanted to do was go back, so we called it a night and headed straight back to the dorm. A couple of days passed and the fear was replaced by curiosity, so me and my best friend persuaded her boyfriend to join us this time, and of course, we had to do it during the night again. We got in the same way and headed straight for the room at the second floor. What really shocked us was that the whole doorway was bricked up so we could not access the room that we so badly wanted to explore. That didn't stop us from exploring the hospital, and we kept walking down the hallway. The third floor staircase was blocked, and next to it were the emergency stairs for the first floor, so that's where we decided to head to. My best friend was leading the way, as me and her boyfriend held the lights. While walking down the stairs, about to step on the first floor, she told us to quickly shut off the lights and stay silent as she peeked around the corner. She kept peeking for minutes. It felt much longer as we waited and I stared at the wheelchairs in front of us. 
She then whispered eventually to us to check the fence next to us for another possible exit or entrance. So we did, but saw nothing. We waited a little longer while she stayed like that. When out of nowhere, she screams at us, telling us to run as quickly as possible back to the exit. We ran, freaking out, not stopping or looking back until we reached the dorms. When we reached the stairs of the dorms, we were out of breath and we collapsed there. We demanded an explanation from her and what she said truly horrified us. She said she saw a tall black figure of what seemed to be a very large man standing still in the middle of the exit. For as long as she looked at it, it didn't move an inch. It just stared in our direction. We tried to explain what the heck just happened for hours. It could not be a guard of the nearby hospital, or he would have looked around or flashed a light or did something, except just stand there in the dark. It could have been the person that bricked out the door on the second floor, which creeped us out even more because that would mean he saw us the first time and that he knew we could be back. We are considering going back there to check it out again to see if the door is still blocked, but this time, it's definitely going to be during the day. Eight, paranormal being at the abandoned building by ya boy 283 I'm 17 years old and love to explore abandoned places. I have a group of friends that love to do it too, which makes the experience even better. This experience occurred about three weeks ago as of writing this. My friends and I had planned out through the entire week where we were going, how we'd get there, and what we'd do when we got there. Before I get into what actually happened, I should tell you a bit about my friends and I. My friends are Connor, Zach, and Chloe. We absolutely love creepy places. Whether it's abandoned or has a bad past, or is rumored to be haunted, we'll try our best to check it out if it's not too far away. This was no different. We had done our research and had found an interesting place in upstate New York. I'll leave the exact location private for the sake of the town near it and the owner's privacy. The place we decided to check out was a large brick building that had been in use for well over 100 years, but after a fire, the building had been abandoned and left to rot. This particular building was located right next to a small town. It was up on a hill that overlooked the town and was surrounded by several hundred feet of pure forest. I have pictures attached to show it. The location was several hours away from where we lived, but the driving we always looked forward to. It was nice being able to drive along back roads and check out the countryside, which New York offers some great scenery. We got on the road pretty early that day, around nine o'clock. I was driving, Chloe was up front with me, and Zach and Connor were in the back. The drive was completely uneventful. Once we arrived, we parked the car a few blocks away from the building and walked, since we technically weren't allowed to walk up to it. There isn't much protecting the public from the building besides a small gate that said no trespassing. The place was spectacular. It was four stories tall and there was barely any graffiti on its walls. All the doors were sealed up besides the basement, but there was too much debris in front of the door that it prevented us from entering that way. Around the side of the building, there was a door propped up against the wall, 
that allowed you to crawl in through a broken window. We all climbed in, and then this was where things got weird. We all put on dust bandanas to prevent any dust or old rust particles getting into our mouths, which, believe me, is not fun to breathe in. The floors were pretty sturdy for being abandoned for several decades. We were only in the first room when we heard a noise like footsteps coming from the floor above us. I forgot to add this in, but this day in particular was extremely windy. New York is known for pretty windy days. Keeping this in mind, we thought it was just things getting blown around as plenty of windows were broken. We didn't see anything special so far, so we then walked up to the second floor. There, we decided to split up and go where we wanted. I stayed on the second floor to check it out more, as well as Connor. Zach went up to the fourth floor and Chloe said she wanted to go check out the roof. Everything was going swimmingly until we heard Zach screaming from a few floors up. I bolted up the stairs with Connor right behind me. When we got to Zach, Chloe was already there and she was screaming, something has his jacket and it won't let go of him. I ran up to help and tried to pull Zach up onto his feet, but it was like there was something holding onto his jacket. It was dragging him down the hallway. Zach, just take off your jacket, dude, Connor suggested. Without hesitation, Zach ripped his jacket off and got back to his feet, and we watched as his jacket was then whipped across the room and thrown out the window. We all then knew we needed to get out of there, and we started to run down the stairs. We weren't even on the second floor yet when Chloe tripped over something and practically fell down the stairs. We then heard Chloe screaming, get it off of me. Something was pushing her to the ground. We tried our best, pushing and punching at the air around her, but to no avail. And then it stopped. We again began to race toward the bottom of the building. However, it wasn't completely over. It was as if someone was pushing us from behind, but not enough to push us all the way over. We made it out of the house, and just as we did, the wind around us picked up, and snow began to fall. Confused and wondering what to do, we ran back to the car, and we sped away, wondering what in the world we just experienced. Nine, The Abandoned Factory by Mechanic Raven. During middle and high school, me and a friend of mine sometimes skipped class and went to urban exploring abandoned buildings. A math test was coming, one I did not study for, so it was going to be an exploring day, and I even had a perfect target, a huge abandoned factory that I had done some research on. Apparently, the place was using some dangerous chemicals on their products, and when the authorities found out, they were soon shut down. When the day came, I asked my friend if he was coming, but H said he'll pass this time, and he was actually studying for the test. So I went alone. I had explored places alone before, so I was fine with it. We wished one another luck. The next day when I got there, I realized how huge the place was, since before I'd only seen it from afar. I thought it was amazing. I could be here all day, I thought. The thing was absolutely huge, although I decided not to go on the upper levels. I could leave that for another time when my friend came with me. 
I would be checking the ground floor and underground this time. The ground floor was huge, but most of it was just empty space. I imagine this was the working hall where they ran machines. The rest of the ground floor contained a hallway with rooms along it. All of the rooms were full of furniture. I was kind of surprised to see that they had left so much. There were documents scattered about as well. I looked through them for a while, thinking I'd find some incriminating stuff. Now, this is where things go south. I was finished with the ground floor, so I began to head underground. The path leading down was just a few steps of stairs, so it wasn't that deep. I was a little disappointed as I reached the bottom. I noticed then that there was water on the floor throughout the entire hallway, as if a pipe had broken over the years. I reached for a light switch, but it didn't work, so I got out my flashlight from my backpack. As I went along the hallway, it got really dark. The hallway did not have as many rooms as the ground floor did, only two on either side and one at the end of it. The four side rooms in total were all completely empty, save for a few brooms and cleaning utensils. These rooms were probably just storage. I opened the door to the last room. It was huge and full of pipes and boilers, and indeed many pipes were slowly dripping with water. It was completely silent, and all I could hear is the slow dripping. But as I stepped a few steps into the room, I soon heard another noise. I directed my light in the direction of that noise, and I saw that I wasn't alone. There was a man there. He was dressed in a long black trench coat. He had his back at me, and he was facing the wall. For a moment, I was spooked, but I had seen homeless people before while exploring, and they usually acted pretty normal. I made my presence known with a, hey, he seemed to be about 20 meters away from me, and he didn't reply or move. I stayed still, then yelled out again, Are you okay? Meanwhile, I had my flashlight ready in case he ran at me. By then, I was starting to shake a little. I didn't dare take my flashlight off of him. Suddenly, he made this noise. And he began to turn toward me. I froze. The dude's face was so disturbing, as if the guy had every type of health problem in existence. His pupils were fogged over, his eyes were wide open, and he was bearing disgusting teeth. Immediately, he reminded me of Nosferatu, but this one wasn't bald. We both stood there for a long while, completely frozen. I knew I couldn't fight him, nor did I want to, he was almost twice my size. I was only 15, after all. He took one step, and this broke my shock. I slowly walked to the door, still unable to make myself run. As I reached it, I heard the man beginning to move as well. I shut the door, but had nothing to block it with, so it was then that I began to run. I was almost to the stairs when I heard the door open, and the guy was coming through the hallway after me. But thank God, he wasn't running for some reason. Maybe he just wanted to scare me out of there. As I reached the ground floor, I bolted to the main entrance and I got out. I didn't stop when I was out though. I ran until my sides were hurting, which actually wasn't long because I was overweight. I looked back and I didn't see the man exit. Rather, I saw him standing at a window 
still staring at me with those glossed over eyes. I kept walking, my side still hurting. Then eventually I started running again until I made it home. I couldn't have been happier that the guy decided not to follow me. Ten. Abandoned Factory by Lucky Doritos. This took place about seven months ago when I was hanging out with six of my friends after school. We had decided the day before that we were going to go to one of the two abandoned factories near us. As all seven of us approached the factory, I began to smell water and concrete and insulation. We entered the building from the side, and as we got in, the only lights that were there were our flashlights and our phones. There were holes in the roof, but it was a new moon night. We took a left instead of going ahead. We found two side-by-side -side bathrooms, both of which the mirrors were smashed inside, and one of them had a toilet whose porcelain was smashed to pieces. As we head toward the entrance, the way we came, I noticed an empty wall and a switchblade, and beside that, there's a wallet. I take the wallet to see if I can return it to its original owner, but one of my friends takes the switchblade, saying something along the lines of, we may need it later. We head straight now and take a ride into one of the rooms on the right, and we see a staircase going down across to a room. As we approach the stairs, my friend tells us that he has a terrible feeling about this, I ignored him, though what he said did make me nervous. Up the stairs, there is a room on the left, and I kid you not, that's when we saw it. A noose hanging in the middle of the room, still swaying maybe from the wind. Underneath the noose, there were shoes scattered about the floor, a pair of them, as if they had fallen off when someone had done the deed. That's when we ran out of the building, creeped out, and scarred for life. There's no telling what happened there. The whole place seemed ransacked, and there was a very depressing aura about it. It was my one and only time urban exploring, and I don't think I'll want to do it again. You may think it's fun to explore abandoned places, but why were they abandoned in the first place? Most of the time, it could be a failed business or a place whose maintenance went far beyond the limitations of the people who maintained it. But sometimes, there are places where something happened there and no one wanted to stay around. Yet, there you go, exploring abandoned places and welcoming yourself into the arms of danger. Good night. Be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe if you enjoyed the video. Don't forget, you can send me your stories at darknessprevails.org submit. If you want to be awesome and keep this channel going, get your name in the credits of these videos by donating at least one buck a month at patreon.com darknessprevails or get some creepy cool merchandise at morbidmonsters.com. As usual, here are my five favorite early comments from the previous video about 10 search and rescue horror stories. Francis Ginote says, Do you think I will be the first person found in this macabre hide-and-seek game? Or maybe you will be the first to go? Seriously, I love your channel so much. 
can you do more thunderstorms and rain sounds for your future videos? I will continue to Patreon you whatsoever. Thank you. Thanks so much for the support, Francis. And yes, rain sounds are my absolute favorite thing. Besides my wife, of course. So you can expect more of those videos in the future. Cringemaster69 says, I've never clicked on a video so fast, especially with my broken hand. Well, how do you think it got broken in the first place? Because you need to learn to pet the beavers a little softer. Glitter Dragon says, can you make a video about the hash-slinging slasher? Ah, uh, the classic SpongeBob episode. In reality though, the hash-slinging slasher sounds like a really pissed off Waffle House worker, and that I can make a video about. Nick says, I'm on a search and rescue operation for my orthodontic retainer. Ah, uh, good luck, my man. That is something you'll probably never find, because it's in my mouth. And Karma NN says, whenever I head to bed, you post another great video. Are you plotting something with the man in my wardrobe? Yeah, we're plotting a better taste in outfits. What the heck do you wear? Anyway, thank you all so much for tuning in to another episode. I can't wait to scare you again with new videos coming soon. Here are the credits to my patrons, the amazing people who donate a little bit of their extra cash to my channel to keep it going. Thank you all. Now, until next time, stay safe out there and stay creepy.